get my drink because you know you have to have your drink in frame at least for the first frame absolutely because if you don't are you even drinking they don't know they never know if we're drinking unless we tell them unless we're they're drinking. watching on youtube yeah that's true we're drinking we are drinking we're drinking you've been drinking, I have been drinking. <laughs> it was a big day it was a big day Oof. tomorrow's a big day a lot of big days coming up got a beach trip too do you all yeah we do got a beach trip coming up do you like our intro before the intro yeah it was sort of rambling before we introduced the <laughs> i if, if it's good i usually leave it you in, leave it in. Yeah. if it's if it's like garbage then i'm like fucking cut this sometimes shit out of here sometimes it's garbage sometimes it is was garbage. It garbage last time i forgot i don't last, last time was the uh last time was the suit episode wasn't yeah, it absolutely yeah we didn't do one last week did we <laughs> we been two weeks ago <laughs> we, we we uh we didn't have the intro before the intro. We had the struggle to get through the intro, so which was put in at the end <laughs> of the episode. Well, I know I put it at the end of the YouTube episode. I actually don't know if I put it on the Spotify or not. So YouTube, won't I have, watchers, I'll be honest with you, I haven't listened to them in a while. I haven't. I, I, I used usually to regularly listen to them. I try to listen to the first like 15 minutes or so i listened to a lot of the last one because i just kept laughing because it was so damn funny we had a good time on yeah that yeah did we not do have we not done one since the dinosaur episode i don't think so episode? so we didn't do one last week was that not last week no it was the week before hell i don't know because We're, tomorrow's the 30th and that party was on the 16th that i had to do the dinosaur costume for so what did we do on the 23rd? Did we not do one last week? Hell, I don't know. Did we not? <laughs> we don't even know what we do anymore. The ramblings of old men. Old, old men, officially. With no memories I can all. announce now the ramblings of dad brains. <laughs> dad brains, yeah, <laughs> dad for brains. real. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. It is. I guess I'm going to earn a few more gray hair in my beard. I, I've got some. I've lost most of Yours my hair. Yours is lighter than mine, though, so it's... It's it's less noticeable, but there's definitely some in here. Yeah, it used. To, Mine's like pretty black though, so you can yeah. see my white hair pretty. Yeah, when it's, when it's it is what it is. That stress will get you. Dad stress. Dad stress. Dad Officially, stress. it's dad stress. <laughs> um, it is what it is. Hey guys, welcome to the Sip It and Rip It podcast. My name is Nathan. Here with my co-host, as always, Zach. We are. Hey. Uh, hanging out. <laughs> uh, drinking some drinks. Yeah. You had you had a few drinks? Wouldn't I've you? had a few drinks. So uh, I had my gender reveal today. So uh, out of nervousness, I had some uh, crazy punches of my mother's concoction that I spiked <laughs> with some Bacardi. Uh, I had about half a dozen of those <laughs> on about my fifth beer now. <laughs> so uh, that was crowd anxiety, largely. Mm -hmm. That was what that is. Not really... Obviously, I knew I had a baby coming, so that nervousness has knocked off. But uh, I'm at an age where I just don't do well in a group of 20 or 30 people, and that's no. about how many people were there. Yeah, it was pretty crowded. It is, I would it have rather help. it been like a full-fledged crowd of people I didn't know than 20 or 30 people I felt like I had to entertain. Yeah, it's it's a little stressful. Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why I would we rather stand there and just have a singular conversation than yeah. I have to bounce around. Yeah, it's ju it just takes a lot out of you. It does. Uh, I am drinking uh, Shanky's Whip with a little bit of simple syrup and chocolate bitters. Currently, I'm drinking a, a Trim Tab Paradise now, which is excellent. We've talked about that before on the 
mm-hmm. on the podcast. And I already have a fucking headache. I have like a, <laughs> a pre-hangover because I've drank and sobered up and drank and sobered up and drank and sobered up. Today, so. It's um, going to be rough. Back of the head hangover. And I have a powerlifting meet to coach tomorrow. <sighs> Fortunately, be- with a fe- fellow beer drinker, so he'll understand when I get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I got pushed back an hour, so I get another hour of sleep tomorrow. Hey, why did you get pushed back? It's at Iron City, which is a concert venue, and they're having a late night concert tonight. Ah, uh, okay. So their cleanup will spill over into um, Charlie's normal setup time. Right. So they're having to push it back an hour to accommodate the concert. That, that makes tonight. sense. That makes sense. And I don't know who's playing, to be fair. But yeah. Generally, it's a big name at Iron City, though. Yeah, Iron City's pretty popular. Yeah, so probably something cool. But Maybe. Um, that is what it is. Uh, so that's what we're drinking. Uh, what about gym this week? Man, I had a great week at the gym. You did? Um, as far as my squat bench and deadlift, I did not have a great week at the gym in the sense of consistency because I went Monday, Tuesday, and then did not go again until Friday, which I normally go Monday through Friday because of a uh, something going on with my neck. It felt like a crick in my neck, upper back, which you helped me a little bit with some yeah, stretches. Yeah, we found some stretches. Me. Sandy was dealing with the same thing. We found some stretches that do that. And uh, it definitely helped. Like, I, I know it's not there anymore. Like, I don't even notice it, but it was like lingering, and I'd do the stretches and it ease up a little bit. And then throughout the day, it kind of like start nagging again. You find that yours comes back at night because when I have a crick in my neck, it comes back. Because yeah. I'm a side sleeper, it typically gets aggravated at night. Yeah, that's fair. I, I roll around a lot. Where I fall asleep, it could be on my back. It could be on my side. I never really know. I sleep on my right side primarily. I fall asleep that way. And I could end up on my back, but mostly it's back and right side. Yeah. So I think it's – no, I, I just roll around so much, man. It's whatever sleep I get – like, whatever I fall asleep in is what I get. That's fair. But uh, as far as my squat bench deadlift, I went in on Monday and got 545 for eight, which was huge. Um, that projects me at 680, which the goal is 700. Um, and we know now, that especially with you being in a heavy weight class, you probably are closer to 700 anyway. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. That yeah. generally typically isn't too accurate, especially yeah. for us bigger boys. Yeah, so um, 700 pretty likely to be there on meet day assuming everything goes right plus i still like i'm not even done with my hypertrophy block not even starting my meat prep so like there's still plenty of time to get stronger um and then bench press 345 for eight which was also great um these are all prs Uh, i've never touched this weight for that many reps before uh puts me at i think 430 for my bench press. Um, Which def- is kind of crazy, too, because I don't feel like you were hitting that number when you hit 420. Like you wasn't near no, where, I don't um, feel like you were anywhere close to it. A year, so I feel like you're going to project out closer to 450 before it's all over. Yeah, um, that's the goal is to yeah. end at 450. But uh, no, when I hit 420, I think I think I saw a video of a, of a year ago on my memories, my Facebook memories, and it was like 345 for four. So... We'll see. Um, and that would have been about about a year. Yeah, about we're getting ready for November of last year, yeah. which was your last meet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you're you know twice as good as you were last. Yeah, year. So no, for real. Cool. Like on a lot of a lot of metrics, I'm twice as good. Um, and then obviously that was on Tuesday, the day after deadlifts. And then the next two days, I was out stressing about squats because I knew squats were going to be the worst. Went in there, man. <laughs> let me tell you, you tore them up. I tore up. You actually overachieved for its over. Uh, so <laughs> I thought I did eight reps, and then I played it back and I got seven. 
and the camera angle on my video was shit, and I couldn't see my hip crease. So I was like really pissed off about it, got so mad, started like hyping myself up. It's like, I'm doing another set. I'm going to get eight. Squats aren't going to beat me today. So I got up under there, did my set, racked it, so pumped, flipped off the bar, walked away, watched the video, and it was seven reps again. But you got two sets of seven at what would have been your top single set of eight. Of eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, so, I mean, I feel like, and every single time I knew I had another rep in me at least. Like, it, I was, I still had more in the tank when I ended each set. So I have to ask, did you do, did you end up doing your drop set since you had to double up that day or did you have to skip them? Uh, I don't do drop sets on my third week. On your third week. Yeah. Okay. So on my third week, I do one set and it's my top set of the month. I got you. And so that's, that's, that's peak week basically. Yeah. yeah. It's basically peak week. I hit my one set and then I go on and do my accessories and I'm, I'm done for the. Cool. So the, you didn't like have to do 20, 30 more reps no. afterwards. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, that probably would have been a bad idea to go after it again if I was going to do drop yeah. sets. But um, since I knew it was just one more set and I knew I could handle another set just based on the way my body was feeling and how, like, where my mind was at at the time, I knew I could do another set. Didn't know if I was going to get all eight, but mentally I was prepared to fight for all eight. Uh, yeah. And, man, basic math's hard when you got 400 pounds on your for back. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was my week. Yeah, so mine, I started over with Strongwoods 5x5, five five, just like I said I would last week. Um, humbling, uh, you know, less than two plates on the bar for everything but deadlift. Um, but I survived a three and a half uh, squat frequency this week. Would have been a, an even four had I gone today, but because of the gender reveal, I didn't yeah. get to go today. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm squatting basically four times a week and survived it. Um, no pain. I uh, got some strange news from the doctor that my hip labor may be healed, which is, that's news to you. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a second opinion on that because normally that is not something that heals itself. Mm -hmm. um, he said that the pain that I'm feeling is probably just arthritis and then tendonitis left over from the IT band injury, um, which seems to be consistent with how I feel. Um, that being said, the only thing I can think of that I could have done to have healed it uh, I've not taken any peptides, but I did run uh, several cycles of human growth hormone mm -hmm. in 2022. The only thing I can think of is maybe that I just have an impingement now and the growth hormone healed the labrum. So that I would be the only, be uh, I'm, I'm going to get a second opinion mm -hmm. about it because even that's rare. Mm -hmm. um, but the imaging I got done uh, at my doctor's office last week said there's currently no labral tear, which is... Uh, I, I frankly just don't believe, and that's the reason yeah. I'm going to go get a second opinion about it. Yeah. But I will say I was um, – they normally put a local anesthesia in. They normally don't let you see the screen when you do um, the hip imaging I got done. Uh, the first one was an x-ray. They put a black dye in your labrum so that the labrum shows up on the x-ray. Most mm -hmm. of the time, soft tissue doesn't show up on yeah. the x-ray. So they put that dye in there so it's mm -hmm. obvious. It turns black. like there's. It's just – it literally just sets like – a gasket, like a round gasket or O-ring around the head of your femur is mm -hmm. what your labrum looks like. And they inject dye in that so it turns black so you can see the ring around your, the head of your femur. Mm -hmm. And I watched the whole process. They did not give me anesthesia for it, which is extremely painful because um, <laughs> they wedged that, a needle, you know, that's six inches long between your hip socket and your femur. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that it, sounds miserable. It fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it'd be like pinning yourself with a, you know, three inch, 18 gauge 
you know. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> Pan, you know, it fucking sucks. Yeah. It's uh, very, very painful. Um, but uh, I watched that whole process, and, and, you know, I watched the first time they did it, and there was a very obvious tear in it the first mm -hmm. time they did it. And when I saw it this time, there wasn't one, and I asked the person administering the test, I was like, do you see, because it doesn't look like the same x-ray I had last time, do you see a labral tear? And he's like, no, I don't, but that's the reason why you're having contrast done and an MRI done too, because the x-ray is not reliable. So um, I know what I saw, and it's concurrent with what the doctor said, that it's healed. But, uh, I mean, I just don't believe it because, like I said, soft tissue, that kind of soft tissue typically doesn't doesn't heal itself. Yeah. Um, I was told that it wouldn't heal itself, that surgery was inevitable. Um, because of the arthritis, there's still a possibility I have to have it scoped. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't matter anyway. Um, but um, according to my general practitioner, not my ortho, um, I no longer have a labral tear. So That's wild. Very weird thing. Um I'm hoping he's right, but I don't expect him to be right. Right. So, since you, since you mentioned it, because first thing I thought of was, I wonder, did you take any like BPC or TB five hundred? No, I mean the only thing I could think of, and I thought about, I ran through all that in my mind. The only thing I took was human growth hormone. Yeah. And I took um, me and you discussed it because we ran something similar when we were on it. I took um, two IU's a day the first two times I ran it. The third time I ran it, I took three to four IU's a day, depending on what I can afford. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I don't that is the only chemical I've ever taken that could, and it's not it's not common, but it could have been capable of healing. It. Yeah, that's that's really curious. I want would you be would you try and take TB to see if it would heal? I don't. I've heard. I mean, it. I think that you know, I think now that if they say it's better and still torn, I think it might be worth it. Yeah, because if I mean, HGH improved it, then you know, I think it's so. I mean, there's very real. It's, it's really good news, but there's very real possibility that. Despite it being in the same hip, that the IT band issue was a separate issue completely from the labrum. Yeah. Which is, Which is good. It's yeah, good no, news. it is good. It's crazy, though, to think about it's, that. It would, it's literally, if that's the, if my doctor is right and the hip, t <laughs> the labral tear is no longer there, you're talking about like literally like one in a billion. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking. Which is not my luck. No, it's not. It's very much the opposite <laughs> of my luck. Maybe that's just what. Maybe I should have bought a lottery ticket on the same day <laughs> I had that imaging done. But that is not my luck. So I have to have a second opinion because yeah. I just don't believe it. Yeah, that's really. That's really. Because I mean, I live with pain. Like, mm -hmm. I'm in pain now. I'll be in pain when I go to sleep tonight. I'll be in pain when I wake up tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, but um, squats feel good. They feel better. Um, they're sub 200 pounds right now. They're like 185 for like mm -hmm. a 5x5, five five, uh, which everybody knows I'm, you know, Throwing through the ceiling, I can do jump squats for 185. Yeah. <laughs> I can probably do a 25 inch, a 24 inch box jump with 185 mm -hmm. pounds on my back. So they're not heavy, but they are pain free, and that mean that does mean something. Yeah, so, that's that's probably the most important thing, at least right bench now. Bench press is real stupid because yeah. I, my bench press has gotten really, really strong, and I went ahead and started. I didn't want it to outgrow everything else, mm -hmm. so I went ahead and started over on it too. And my five by five weight this week was like 145 and 150, and it was yeah. just like. I can just do, I can do all 25 reps at a time and not get a pump. Right. Like <laughs> balls. So I, I had to, I just, what I decided to do is I started working on, I have a cuffing issue. So if y'all don't know, mm -hmm. cuffing is what we call when we don't have a vertical wrist, we tend to bend our wrist in the bench press. That's not ideal for your shoulder health. So what I've done is taken this time while my bench press is really strong, but I've started it over to rectify the cuffing so that I'm pressing with a perfectly vertical fist and vertical wrist. Um, 
So I'm, I'm taking the time to rectify that. Mm. And immediately I feel like there's more power in it, yeah. but it's really hard to tell when yeah. that's, you know, 35% of your one. Yeah. Yeah. This really is, hard to tell. This so is barely even warm up weight. It's warm point. up, but it's not warm up weight. Yeah. I mean, I normally warm up with a plate for like 30 reps. I normally, I normally go 10 regular grip, competition grip, 10 narrow and 10 wide. Yeah. At 135. So I would never hit 145, 150, 150. Right. I normally go one plate. If I'm feeling bad, a plate and a quarter. If I'm feeling good, two plates. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's not weight I normally <laughs> see on the barbell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, on overhead press, maybe, but yeah. not on this. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. But here's to hoping my doctor's right, although I don't think he is. Hey, I mean, if he's right, though, that's the best news you could probably hear. Yeah, especially with the baby on the way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was worried that I was going to have to relearn how to walk this year post-surgery. So, yeah. let alone re relearn how to deadlift and squat and lunge and uh, and everything else. So, and you know, there's a possibility that maybe they were wrong the first time. That there was never even a tear. That there was never a tear. And maybe it was always just arthritis and an impingement. Mm -hmm. An impingement will cause a labral tear. That's what causes a labral yeah. tear. But maybe they were just always just wrong. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, and to be, be fair, fun. I've always I possess the a party trick of mine is I can pop this hip all the way out of place and pop it back in <laughs> at will. So maybe it's just just arthritis. I don't know. Maybe they were wrong the first time. That's what I'm hoping for. So yeah, I guess that would be that would be ideal. Yeah, absolutely. PR songs. PR songs. You can go ahead and start. While yeah. I'm so I out. have uh, I have two, uh, both by the same band. And I put this band on here a lot, but they're. I hate saying as a musician that I have a favorite band because I listen to so much stuff. Um, but honestly, man, when it comes to gym music, at least, they probably are my favorite band. Uh, and that is, uh, the first one's Plague Doctor by the Acacia Strain. Mm. Um, man, it's so good. There's a line in here that really pumps me up. Uh, it says, soap and bleach to clean the knife. I scrubbed you for my fucking life. <laughs> it's fucking good. That song's fucking brutal. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I love it, and uh, that's my first entry. What you got for your first entry? Um, let me scroll down because I didn't write it down, but uh, I was talking about them yesterday or last time we were on the podcast. Uh, Born through fire is uh, uh, what's his name from As I Lay Dying? Uh, Tim Lambesis. Yeah, 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 it's his one of his other projects. So they actually released a full length album. Okay, like just recently, so it's brand new. Is it heavier than As I Lay Dying? A little bit. Um, I'd probably like it better if it was a little better. It's, uh, it still has that same kind of like, has a chorus, like, it, it, it follows the same it's, pattern. It's a metalcore song. It's it's very much metalcore, but it is it's a, it is heavier than As I Lay Dying is, That's typically good. is. Um, but uh, Blood, Fire, Pain, uh, it's like the second track on the, the album, and it's like pretty heavy, and it, it gets me pumped up. I just, I, it's one of those things, like, I've all... I don't I haven't always liked As I Lay Dying, but like when I really got into them, I really got into them, and I just dig them. Like that for me, they were a gateway band. Yeah, that was that was probably the band that bridged the gap from like post hardcore stuff I was listening to, like Under Oath and Norma Jean, mm -hmm. to stuff that was well As I Lay Dying and Kill Switch, which yeah. I, I think Kill Switch is the better band now. But As I Lay Dying and Kill Switch probably br bridged the gap between post hardcore. And real death metal and metalcore. Yeah. And deathcore, rather. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think anybody at our age that listened to heavy music were probably fans of, like, the big four. That yeah. was probably our real first introduction. Yeah. But, 
but you know, really like obscenely heavy music. I would say that like Asley Dine and Killswitch was probably that. The that bridge. Tra- the bridge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. I don't view them as heavy now, but that was definitely yeah. the bridge. So they're cool. Awesome shit. Yeah, I dig it. My second one's by the same band, The Acacia Strain. It's the very next song on that album, and that's Bitter Pill. And uh, I guess I'm just in love with Vincent Bennett's rec- uh, lyrics because <laughs> Bitter Pill has a, uh, a line in it that says, uh, the future isn't open, it's bleak and fucking empty. Uh, keep praying to your God, he's the one that fucking sent me. <laughs> fucking righteous in the gym <laughs> that's pretty Absolutely. brutal that's pretty that's, fucking brutal <laughs> yeah i can i can dig it um i'll take a few steps back um i don't i don't know i don't think i've put this on yet but i'm i'm, a, I'm worried that i have um it's an it's a code orange song called the easy way it's not heavy put code orange on before. i've definitely put code orange on before um, it's not particularly heavy. None of their stuff really is, but there's I feel like just, early on they were some of the. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to. They're go back bringing that new metal sound back. We yeah, about it's definitely more of a, a new metal sound, but I, I like the the way they go about it. Yes, sir. Like it's more. It's yeah, it's a lot darker. More serious music. It sounds, and I think I've said this before. It gives more like serial killer vibes. Yeah. That, that that's kind of how I feel about it when I listen to it. But um, Easy Way isn't like that. It's, it's definitely more of like a metalcore song. But it's, I don't know, I just dig it. That's cool. I yeah. like it. Yeah, that's fine. Gets me going in the gym. Yeah, shit's good, man. It is what it is. Um, so onward to our topics. We're, yeah. we're not necessarily playing a game, but we're doing like rapid fire to not try to get this, this episode done in less than an hour, hour and a half yeah. or so. So. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to play... A game of overrated or underrated, or or, or perfectly or rated. perfectly rated. Yeah. Um, these are probably you're probably going to hear some hot takes tonight. Uh, I definitely have some takes that you skinny fuckers ain't going to like. <laughs> um, Crossfitters won't like it. Um, lightweight powerlifters won't like my take take on any of this tonight, probably. But uh, but yeah, we're playing that game. So. Yeah. So we we have a list of uh, ten items. We'll just say items because it's varying. Topics. Yeah, and there's some some rabbits we'll chase, mm. you know, moving forward too. Um, but but basically, uh, like like Zach said, uh, we're just gonna talk about the topic. We're gonna rate it first. We're gonna say overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated, and then we'll say why, and we'll just have a conversation from there. So the first thing on the list is quote unquote optimal exercises. Are they overrated, underrated, or perfectly rated? Yeah. So a little backstory here. Um, Optimal exercises. There's definitely this is definitely big in the bodybuilding community. Obviously, there's no um, there's no doubt about this. There's no conversation about this in powerlifting. There's no conversation about this in Olympic lifting, strongman, or CrossFit. Mm-hmm. This is definitely people that are looking at hypertrophic value only. Yes. A good one that popped up. An example of this is well, me and you watched a guy the other day that said bench press is overrated for growing your chest. Uh, so he, sa- he said you should not not bench not even bench. Press. You said yeah. you should not bench press yeah. because it will not grow your chest. So uh, so basically, his that's that's the optimal training, right? It's not optimal to bench press. You should fly, dumbbell press, something like that, other than bench press. He actually said you should basically said bench press in general, regardless mm. of the apparatus was bullshit. You should you know work on some type of fly. Yeah, is what he was saying. 
So optimal training, uh, uh, basically choosing a more hypertrophic movement over uh, major compound movement mm -hmm. like bench press. So that's what we're talking about when it comes to optimal training. I'll kick this off and I will say that's 100% not just overrated, but fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, Period. I would absolutely agree. I think it is overrated because you can, there, there is a good reason to choose quote unquote optimal exercises. There are certain reasons why you should, like you said, bodybuilding that like, you know, if you have a particular muscle that you have to hit and you have to hit it just right. And it may be like in bodybuilding, say you're, upper chest hasn't grown quite as much as your lower chest. So you're trying to even it out. You know, there are reasons to, but that even saying that I kind of just like, that's exercise choice. Like you just, you just change to more upper and less lower. I don't know. I'm trying to make an argument for it, but I've, <laughs> I guess I'm, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, but the, just to say bench press is bad is really, really dangerous because you know, one thing that Ron swapped for me on my dumbbell bench press, which is accessory movement during my powerlifting block, is a neutral grip dumbbell bench press. And the very simple fact that he chose to do neutral grip as opposed to a regular grip dumbbell is because you get an extended range of motion from neutral grip because the dumb because mm -hmm. the dumbbell is not facing east and west, it's mm -hmm. north and south. You can literally bring it past the point of contact on your chest. Makes sense. With a heavier dumbbell, you can with lighter dumbbells, with a heavier dumbbell or Dumbbells at the gym is a good example. If you have the 100s to 150s mm -hmm. in there, they're a foot and a half long. They're still going to touch your chest before you can get past the point of contact. Mm -hmm. But with a neutral grip, you can bring it. You get a lot more stretch in your pack. Yeah. So to just say, hey, bench press is bad for you or squats are bad for you or whatever is really dangerous because what kind? Right. One. Also, even on a barbell, what kind of grip are you using? Mm-hmm. This what guy kind of in particular was talking about you don't get enough adduction, which is an interior movement. So mm -hmm. moving from out to in, you don't get enough adduction for chest hypertrophy on a barbell bench press. And then he posted a video of somebody inclining where you can see, clearly see adduction happening mm -hmm. even on a barbell. And then on a dumbbell, it's even more because mm -hmm. you can swing it inward toward your chest. Yep. So I honestly think that term is a as a clickbait buzzword. That's fair, honestly. I think it's bullshit. It's a clickbait buzzword. And I'll give you another example of this. And I, I'm not going to mention his name on the podcast because of the nature of what I'm about to say. But my best friend was incarcerated for a long time. He is the strongest pound for pound human being I've ever met before in my life. And when he he got strong when he was in jail. Mm-hmm. The only thing they had was dumbbells, barbells, and a leg press. Didn't have a fucking cable machine. Didn't have fucking a kickout machine or anything like that. That man is, when I tell you he is brutally strong, he is brutally strong and never could touch anything that was quote unquote optimal. Mm -hmm. And he would break anybody like that over his fucking knee today. <laughs> like, honest to God. is a brutally strong man. Uh, very, very well be built, has a very good physique even now and doesn't even train. And uh, he is, is proof that what you do matters much more than, well, doing the work matters much more than how you do the work. Right. And yeah, like, I mean, he is proof that minimal equipment fucking necessity made him grow. Yeah. 
And you you can uh, quote Dr. Mike. Uh, he talks about you won't get the same CNS response from lightweight dumbbell work as you would with heavy or even a plate compound. Line. Yeah, or even any, like something like yeah, any heavy compound movement is going to force your body to grow just because your central nervous system says is, what the fuck's happening. Right. It's, yeah, it's just like it's bugging out. Yeah. It's like yeah. what are you doing? I can't handle this. this is super heavy. Yeah. And he 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 explained it as like. You know, you try and do 200-pound dumbbell bench press. Pretty fucking heavy. Yeah. You do it with a bar, it's like, oh, it's, it's not that bad. But you're still moving 200 pounds. Yeah, as pounds. a 400-pound bench presser, I'm not pressing 200-pound dumbbells. Yeah. Matter of fact, my my limit was probably about 130s for a set of 10. Yeah. Press the 100s for about a set of 20. On the but, peak end of my streak. Yeah. You know what so, I mean? so like, you, but, but you think about this, that's 200 total pounds, right? Yeah. How much could you bench press 200 pounds for? 30? 50 reps. Yeah. I mean, I did 30 with 225. Yeah. So 50 reps, probably. See? I yeah, mean, there's, there's just yeah, a yeah, distinct yeah. difference in the amount of total weight you can move, and which that, will trigger and that a CNS response. Yeah. It matters for growth. It absolutely does. It's the same thing. If the only thing you do for your legs is leg extensions, the only thing, the two things that's going to grow, if that's the only exercise you're doing, the only thing that's going to make you grow is more reps or more weight. Mm -hmm. Preferably more reps at more weight. Yeah. So optimal training is just a buzzword. It's fucking clickbait. Something people want to use to be smart. Mm -hmm. And that's a fucking real good segue into my buzzword. <laughs> and what I want to say, and you hear this a lot from the CrossFit community, and that is, and they shit on bodybuilding for this. It's so fucking stupid. I'm trying to reserve my fucking opinion about it. <laughs> but you hear the term functional training mm -hmm. all the time. So my question to you, we agreed the other one was overrated. My question to you is functional training. That term in particular, but it's functional training. So basically compounds only plus, you know, basically major cardio movements, preferably hit style, like rowing, running, mm -hmm. jogging, calisthenics, stuff like that is functional training overrated or underrated or rated just correctly so i'm kind of divided on this one because i think functional training has a time and place i think there's reasons for functional training i think i think a gpp when i think of that like yeah. side style stuff yeah so like sled pulls sled pulls bags. running um rucking uh just anything that's like normal body function right gpp I think that in itself is underrated because I don't think I don't think enough people actually do. I don't think we do. I don't think we do either. I think I have plenty of room where I could do more functional training. Um, maybe not right this moment. It's not I'm, right in prep. Yeah, because I'm moving. I'm pretty close into uh, powerlifting prep, so I don't think it'd be right. But I do think that being able to move your body in better positions is actually super helpful in powerlifting and i don't think uh, and i maybe it's just because i listen to a lot of joe sullivan and mark yeah. bell but they're really into functional training and maybe I, I probably would have to actually do it to give a real opinion on whether it made a huge impact but they seem so invested in it that i have to believe there's something in it i believe that there is and i'm gonna say that it's probably over uh, not, not overrated i would say that it's 
rated correctly, leaning overrated because mm-hmm. of the fact that it's a buzzword. That's fair. The term as a, itself. Let me tell you something. As an athlete in general, if you don't believe me, you can go look at the fucking NFL. Mm-hmm. Period. Look at, I'm not an Alabama fan, look at Alabama football when they field, when that team takes the field versus the other teams, they are men amongst boys. They are NFL ready when they take the field. Strength is the greatest fucking function. Mm-hmm. Period. Strength That's- is the greatest fucking function. Mm-hmm. Period. Like, so I think my problem with the idea of functional training is that most people's, I, I think me and you know better, Joe Sullivan knows better, Mark Bell knows better, but I think, think when most people think functional training, they probably think like CrossFit style mm-hmm. to neglect. Actually, physical to, strength, like to, getting to, stronger. Well, not even that, but to neglect unilateral movement, to neglect balance. Things that you get from bodybuilding that mm-hmm. is not necessarily considered functional training is incredibly fucking ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many former CrossFitters I've trained that had incredibly weak triceps because they do more pulling than pushing with their upper body mm-hmm. and incredibly weak hamstrings because the only ha- direct hamstring work they do is deadlift. And we know from a functionality standpoint, that's not even that fucking great for training the hamstrings. Mm-hmm. RDLs are, yeah, but a conventional deadlift is yeah. fucking not. No, it's a great full body movement, mm-hmm. but it's not giving you the hamstring support. I can't tell you how many people I have corrected. I, uh, we had a friend of ours; she's no longer a friend of ours, but we had a friend of ours that had to have a major tricep surgery because she tore one because it was too fucking weak because she did too much pulling. She did more basically. She did more pull ups in CrossFit than she did push ups mm. or bench press or something like that. Right. The lack of body balance, the lack of awareness and unilateral movement is fucking dangerous. And you, you have people doing snatches and stuff like that, and I love the Olympic lifts. So I think there's very few things as fun or as rewarding as Olympic lifts. But if you don't have good balance in your shoulders, you can't perform a snatch correctly or safely. Mm-hmm. That's a very dynamic movement. If you have weak rear delts, weak medial delts, um, and you're performing the snatch regularly, you're going to fucking tear your rotator cuff. Period. Yeah. Shoulder balance is incredibly important. We know that from bench press. Yeah. And one of the biggest ways to get your bench press up is to have a bigger back. Mm-hmm. Rear delts and lats. Mm-hmm. Medial delts are incredibly underrated in terms of balance um, and shoulder health. Um, and I just think that when you use... I think the fu- func- actual functional training is much more broad than the way the buzzword is used. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's So I think that's the reason I say it's it's rated correctly leaning toward overrated mm-hmm. because the way a CrossFitter uses the term functional is fucking wrong. Right. Versus the way me and you view functional is probably a more correct yeah. balanced approach. Everybody should have some cardio in their program. Uh, everybody should be doing things that mimic real life sandbag cleans. Um Sled pushes, sled drags, stuff like that. Um, stuff that you would do that would mimic yard work, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I, that has a place in everybody's training. But to say that bodybuilding isn't functional is incredibly fucking dangerous. And the functional crowd leans toward dam- damning that. Is yeah, what I'm saying. That's, that's fair. Because I, I didn't really know that that particular crowd actually leaned that way. Because yeah. the only information I take regarding functional training is from powerlifters or previous Yeah, when we think about it as like GPP or accessory work. Yeah. But they are saying only thing that exists is some type of, you know, 
running, some type of gymnastic or calisthenic, and some type of compound movement. Yeah. And that's incredibly fucking dumb. And it's funny, I was I, I was remembering a uh, an episode of the Mark Bell podcast. I can't remember the name of the man that was on there. He was a previous bodybuilder who got into CrossFit, and he it took him a little while to kind of like get Probably good at sailed. it. He did. He did so much better than all the other people once he got, you know, good at CrossFit movements and stuff because he had the strength from bodybuilding. Yeah, two things. He had more muscle mass than CrossFitters do because let me tell you something. I'm going to be very, very serious about this. HIIT training sucks for hypertrophic work. Yeah. That is not the fastest. High intensity interval training is not the fastest way to get strong, period. CrossFit sucks at making you strong. You take somebody that like him that has spent years doing things with very, very large hypertrophic value, and then you throw him to compound movements and stuff like that, he's going to excel because he has that body balance. Mm-hmm. He has some body awareness, mm-hmm. and he has a real – the actual term of functional strength. Yeah. He has real functional strength behind him already. Yeah. I talked to when I was still actively coaching CrossFit and doing dabbling in CrossFit at the time. I would definitely had already swapped powerlifting. We had somebody from Minnesota that came down that would drop in our gym periodically. He was extremely fucking good. He was a regional level athlete. I don't know if he had made it to the games or not. He was extremely fucking talented. And I asked him, I was like, "What's the secret to being good at CrossFit?" And he was like, "Don't get in a hurry. Don't get your heart rate up." Mm-hmm. The very opposite. Of everything that a level one coach in a CrossFit gym would tell you to do. That guy was like, I don't get in a hurry about nothing. I train at my own pace. I control my heart rate, heart rate and I just get used to that. And then when it's time to go, I can go as fast as I need to. Like I, and it's not necessarily list at that point. It's still high intensity interval mm-hmm. training. But he's like, I control what I can control. I don't yeah. worry about anybody else around me. And then it was like, you know, off season, if I'm not preparing for a meet uh, or, or a competition day, I'm more focused on strength than I am on conditioning. That's because conditioning can happen in six weeks. There's a reason why every fat fuck you know can go from sitting on their ass and doing, and they can do couch to 5K, which is a free mm-hmm. app on your phone, and they can go to running a 5K in six weeks. It's because conditioning is for everybody. Strength is not. Strength is where you can be conditioned in six weeks. It takes you six years to be strong. Sometimes or longer, more. longer, Sometimes really, more. really longer. But it would take you, it takes you that much longer to be strong yeah. than it does to be conditioned. Mm-hmm. So I just think that the the term functional movement or functional fitness is misused because I don't think there's anything more functional than major compound movements paired with major unilateral and hypertrophic movements. Yeah. Period. I think that's a fair argument. Yeah. So. I think it just depends. It's a, a very contextual yeah, answer. Yeah, that's that's fair though. I think we we solved that one. Solved it. Solved it. Quote unquote. Solved it. Uh, so next on the list, we got low carb carnivore slash keto diet. Um, this is gonna surprise some people, but I've been, I, well, I don't know. On the podcast, I've spent highly of it either uh, highly and lowly of it. I'm gonna say that it's rated correctly. And the reason being, as a personal trainer, that is not the ideal diet I'd put somebody on. Mm -hmm. You want micronutrients that you don't get from those diets. Um, They're definitely heavy on cholesterol. Um, But I'll be honest with you, I have, I've seen a dozen people save their own life. Mainly, the two come to mind mainly is uh, Albert Wisdom Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm trying to think if Mason did that or not. I don't think he did. Uh, well, you can really take myself. Because um, initially I did the paleo diet, which is only dropping a sweet potato a day away from being keto mm-hmm. and carnivore. Um, I did paleo. It was the first major diet I did joining, getting into fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, shaved weight off me. Changed the way I felt forever. Um, everything I can do. And then you take somebody like Albert lost 200 pounds on keto. Mm-hmm. Very much saved his own life. He was very much on his way to dying young. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't say it's overrated. Yeah. You can't. Um, the reason I say it's rated correctly is this. Um, a low-carb diet, and I don't necessarily think I can include carnivore in this because it's not inherently low-carb. It's just animal-based products. Mm-hmm. Um, a low-carb diet or keto is shit. For muscle gain and strength building. Mm. It's not good for gym endurance. Um, It might be good. It is good for like endurance endurance. Like if you're going to run, stuff like that, it's a little bit better because your body weight tends to be lighter. Mm -hmm. You don't hold on to water weight as as much. Um, So just the fact that you are physically lighter um, typically benefits like distance running, stuff like that. So there, and it probably, it's the reason why early on so many CrossFitters were successful with it's probably with, with paleo it probably does benefit um, aerobic exercise Mm -hmm. a little bit more than it does anaerobic exercise. For powerlifting, for bodybuilding, stuff like that, I think it's way overrated. Mm. Underrated for saving people's life, overrated for performance. I would say it's also uh, correctly rated. Um, I would agree with you on pretty much everything you just said. Um, I would say though, um, in, in the terms of like, um, aerobic exercises, there was somebody, and this could be just somebody who's trying to talk a big game or whatever. Um, he was talking about as he became fat adjusted, the endurance kept on getting better. I believe that. So like it, he, he went from. And he's, he was talking about squats specifically. Now, he wasn't going after one rep maxes. He was doing sets of, I want to say, 10. Yeah. Um, but he just kept on doing sets of 10 over and over and over. And he said, I'm going to stop when I get tired. He said he was in there for two hours doing sets of 10 on squats. Yeah. So his endurance was insane because apparently he's, when you become fat adjusted, and this is his uh, just his experience not talking about scientific studies. From his experience, becoming fat adjusted made him just able to go for hours and hours and hours. No problems, never felt tired. I feel like I have some personal experience with it. I feel like I agree with that. Oh, really? I feel like I was never a very good crossfitter, but I feel like at my best, it was paleo or keto. Mm. I think he was on carnivore. My my ability to just inherently just handle bullshit was Mm -hmm. pretty fucking good. Uh, Much better motor than I have now as a powerlifter. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think the work was a lot lower quality. Yeah, that's fair. To be fair. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that that's, yeah, the guy that probably did, you know, 20 sets of 10, that's fine. But like, were they all at 135 pounds or right. even, There's... even if he was strong, like that's a lot of, that's a lot of reps, right? Mm-hmm. Say it's two plates. Still not fucking strong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, it's... it's still not, you know, it's still not like, so and I think you know that, like, when it comes to barbell stuff, especially, there's definitely, and in terms of the amount of work you do, there's a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. Uh, especially as it translates to a one rep max. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and that's that's why I mentioned like he what he's not a power lifter. I yeah. think I want to say he's a runner. Yeah, like he, he may be, by, and that's an incredibly important squats are an incredibly important exercise to power development in the and and runs. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a distance runner, five k, ten k, half or whole, your leg strength affects your pace. Mm-hmm. Stronger your legs are, the faster pace you're going to be able to carry for a for a longer period of time. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this a lot in CrossFit because this is a CrossFit philosophy, but we also talk about it in real in real fitness, and I hate it for CrossFitters I say that, but in real scientific fit, fitness endeavors, this is something CrossFit got right. Anaerobic exercise can benefit you aerobically, but aerobic exercise does not benefit you anaerobically. That means your ability to squat 315 pounds can allow you to run a 5K better, but your ability to run a 5K has no effect on your squat. Yeah. So... That means, in my mind, that means that anaerobic exercise, sprints, weightlifting, um, even hit training, to some extent, holds more weight than your ability to run a 5K. Yeah. Because those things can make you better at 5K, but a 5K cannot better make you better at a one rep max back squat. Yeah. But your one rep max back squat does affect your ability to run a 5K. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I think that that's a, a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's consistent with what I felt dieting on the, yeah. doing those diets. Like I felt like you just know, had more go, energy. You could go ener- further. Energy was good. Um, I could go handle a lot more bullshit in general. Um, when it's not in a one rep max scenario, mm-hmm. I think, you know, having done that, uh, strength training, the only one of the three that I've benefited from before. Um, and it was still while I was part time doing CrossFit was the carnivore diet. I put about 60 pounds on my total in a month. Mm. Um, I'll be honest with you, the carnivore diet reduces total body inflammation so much that I think that it was less to do about gaining actual strength and more to do with just feeling better. Right. Because if you feel better, you can work harder. Yeah, because I have done that diet as a power lifter now and did not see any success with it whatsoever. Mm No, the only time I did it was to lose weight, and it definitely impacted my total strength by a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I had just gotten to a point that because CrossFit's really, really stressful, and so is powerlifting. When you're doing part, when you're part time in each, I think that my body was so inflamed and so stressed out that doing the carnivore diet reduced a mm-hmm. lot of inflammation, and it was that that sixty pound gain in my total was just because I just felt better overall. Yeah. It was more to do with. And overall well-being than it was to do that I that it had to do with just getting stronger. If that makes sense. All right. So, do you think that wraps it up on the carnivore keto? Yeah, I think so. I think it's rated correctly. To be honest with you, I think that if it works for you, uh, and if you're in a situation where you need some extreme weight loss, I think it's great. I think if you're a strength athlete, it's shit. I think if you're an endurance athlete, you should probably fairly consider it. Mm -hmm. So. And so we're gonna pretty much swap gears entirely on that one and go to vertical diet. Yeah, so, I mean, it's almost the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, still a lot of red meat. Mm-hmm. It calls for lean red meat, preferably game meat, so deer or bison. Mm-hmm. Uh, chicken up to once a day, fish up to twice a week. Uh, eggs every day, red meat, pretty much the rest of the meals. Mm-hmm. Um, white rice, white potato, one sweet potato a day. Eggs, carrots, blueberries, uh, serving of dairy, serving of OJ, serving of cranberry. I think mm-hmm. that's it. Serving of almonds. Almonds, yep. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty much the vertical dot in a nutshell, and a serving of greens, specifically spinach. Okay. Um, the magic in the in the vertical dot is that it's low FODMAP, so everything on the on the vertical dot is foods that don't inherently make people bloat. Mm-hmm. 
and as a power lifter, I find it to be very useful. Mm -hmm. So I'll be honest, um, and this may not be the way you're going with it, but I'm going to say the vertical diet's underrated. Yeah. I think it's, uh, if you can stick to eating the same things every day, I cannot. Uh, but if you can stick to eating the same things every day, I don't know that there's a better diet than the vertical diet. I would if you say, can be repetitive. Yeah, I would say it's correctly rated. I think I think it's it's right there um, because I do when I eat, I basically eat pretty close to the vertical diet. So I eat eggs every morning, um, eggs and cheese with turkey bacon, um, and then like my second meal is white rice steak broccoli which is a bloaty green but it's a green yeah and, that, that would be the only thing so far that's not vertical and, diet. and then i eat carrots yeah um and then my second meal is kind of, or my third meal rather is kind of just whatever i think this time it's going to be chicken fried rice so it's going to be white rice with chicken and mostly vertical still and egg eggs, and fried rice, eggs so. and uh peas and carrots so do you use acetyl that's a big thing on vertical um i probably won't i'll probably just have soy sauce in it that's fair that's that's the only thing i'm probably gonna have in it um and then fourth meal is that right fourth meal whatever it's typically just whatever we go through go for um that me and desi both can eat so typically it's a pasta with some sort of meat um, not necessarily vertical, but could be if you bought a rice-based pasta. It's like not. It's just, a, it's just a regular pasta. Yeah. So that's like the one of – there's. so you see it's like 90% vertical. But that's what I eat yeah. all the time consistently. I don't really feel bad. I feel like I can eat all the food that I'm supposed to. Um, so there, therein lies the magic of the vertical diet for me is that the vertical diet, because it's all low, very low bloat, makes it extremely easy to eat a lot of food. Mm -hmm. Because you're never just like, God, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, the vertical diet, because everything processes quick, it's easy on your stomach. Most of the time, you're ready to eat by your max next meal. Yeah. And that's pretty valuable. And this is a very rare circumstance for me because I'm, I'm an overweight athlete. But vertical diet makes it very easy to bulk because you never just feel shitty. Yeah. Like, super miserable. Yeah. Um. And I think when you think about how many strongmen use the vertical diet and stuff like that, pretty much all. I think of them. I think the the value of the vertical diet is because the food quality is so high and the bloat is so low, they can simply just eat more food comfortably, mm -hmm. and that's an underrated thing. Yeah, in my opinion, um, I think what makes it, I, I think it's I think it's underrated still, but I think what could make it overrated is the expense because of all the red meat. Yeah, it does. It does cost a bit. And um, now eggs. I mean, eggs are seven seven dollars a dozen national average right now. Uh, um, not not for us. But national average is seven dollars yeah. a dozen. So we're talking. You know, I don't know who's listening or whatever. That's true. That's so true. like, so where we used to eat eggs for, you know, ten twenty cents an egg, mm -hmm. they're much more expensive now. Just you know to, I mean? just to brag, home state Alabama. Three seventy four for eighteen jumbo eggs. Hell yeah! So, and we do. I have a plug for homegrown eggs. I have two plugs for homegrown eggs. Homegrown? Yeah, like somebody raised the chickens and I didn't know like, you grew eggs. Somebody raised the chickens and the chicken <laughs> laid their their eggs in their farm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I I do have a plug for for local eggs. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have to pay for them. I personally eat less eggs now because my wife is allergic, mm. so it's not typically. I don't. I don't typically buy eggs at the grocery store anymore. Yeah. If I do, it's because they've been gifted to me from a local hobby farmer or a local farmer. Right. So, That's um, fair though. But uh, 
But yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that would make the vertical dot overrated is probably the expense. Yeah. Especially if you're going to do it like real vertical dot prescription where you're doing either grass-fed beef or game meat all the mm-hmm. time. Because that's Bison's expensive. fucking expensive Bison's in Alabama. Expensive. Um, that being said, because of inflation, grass-fed beef's nearly as expensive. So yeah. it's about even now. But you're still talking about pretty... Pretty expensive. It's a pretty expensive diet. Yeah. For grocery bought home cooked meals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only way around the vertical dot not being expensive is you have your own home sourced eggs, since you don't like homegrown, uh, <laughs> home sourced eggs. And if you bought like both and uh, be, uh, beef in bulk, like, you know, you're buying a quarter of a cow, half a cow, a whole cow. Yeah. Cow, and you're having it processed yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the only way to make vertical dot super budget friendly right but even so you're looking at if you're buying like a whole cow at once that's a lot of money i mean once. you know that's probably you know that's probably a 1500 plus investment mm-hmm. probably more expensive but you're also talking about enough beef to feed you for probably two or three years yeah so as long as you're okay with i think i think typically too. i think typically the, the the price per pound ends up being like 399 or 499 mm-hmm. which is incredibly cheap if you've bought a ribeye lately it's yeah. like a 1599 yeah. pound um, vertical diet prescription, although it's normally lean ground beef, if you're on a bulk, you're allowed fatty beef. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to buy, if you're going to eat two steaks a day at fifteen ninety nine a pound and you're eating, if you're like me and you, we're probably eating a pound and a half a steak at a time. Mm-hmm. We're probably eating at least 20 ounces, yeah. just a pound and a quarter. That's an expensive fucking steak, yeah. dude. That's an expensive lunch, even if you're cooking it yourself. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the reason I said, if you're going to source your own beef, have it processed, and you're paying that three ninety nine, four ninety nine a pound mark, probably worth it. If you're a hard gainer like you have been in the past, if you're a hard gainer and you're having to eat fatty beef, vertical diet might not, but just because of expense alone, might not be the, the yeah. thing to do. But I do think it's I do think it's underrated for performance sake and uh, just general overall well being. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I still I still think it's it's on the the perfectly rated just because. The expense. The expense does is is can get really expensive if you want to go all out. You, if you do like me and you kind of like budget here and there and you don't do everything exactly according to plan, but you follow it most of the way through, you'll still get a lot of the benefits of being on the vertical diet while not spending a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the the if you want me to be honest, the value of the vertical diet is the low FODMAP. Yeah. Um, you can eat low FODMAP food without eating the vertical diet. Mm-hmm. But low FODMAP as a power lifter means that you're not bloated when you put your belt on and you go deadlift. Yeah. Or you don't have heartburn when you go to deadlift or stand. Yeah. That's the worst. I mean, that fucking sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's so bad. And people don't realize how bad it sucks until they've done it. Go eat a dozen hot wings and then go fucking squat and tell me you're going to have a good time. Like, <laughs> tell me not, you didn't shit your pants. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not fun. Yeah. The benefit of the vertical diet is you don't have those feelings when you're on mm-hmm. a vertical diet. So, but that's also true of anything that's low FODMAP. Yeah. So, I mean, I would suggest, you know, if I'm, I'm not necessarily changing, I'm saying I'm changing my mind, but I would think that if you're, if you don't think you can afford the vertical diet, I would say, look up the FODMAP scale and eat low FODMAP foods and you'd get a lot of the same benefits. Yeah. From it. I think that's fair. Yeah. So. so vertical diet, we got that. So now we're going on to people, which is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. First one we got on the docket is John Hack. Yeah, so this was mine, and the answer is probably going to surprise you a little bit, but I don't think he's rated correctly. I think he is rated. Correctly. I think he is rated correctly. I don't think he's overrated or underrated. 
And this is one of those topics that's going to have a little bit of a side quest. Mm -hmm. um, John Pound for Pound is the strongest man on the planet. Yeah. No doubt about it. I think that his skill at his body weight, I think his ability, especially to bench press, is probably underrated for him. Mm -hmm. What's overrated for him is the fact that he's a lightweight lifter and is nowhere close to being one of the best totalers on the planet. Mm -hmm. Period. The diet total is 2,200 pounds, which is outstanding. But there's a, a hundred guys in heavier weight classes that total much heavier. Yeah. So that's the reason I say there's aspects of his game that's overrated and there's aspects that's underrated. I think that's best, fair. probably the best bench presser on the planet, pound for pound at least. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even I mean, not, even, the, pound not even pound for pound, pound, he's one of the best bench pressers. Yeah, on the planet. because you think even like um, I forget his name. Uh, TD Sims Smash TD, TD Smash is his handle I don't remember his um, Thomas Davis is his Thomas name. Davis yeah. yeah so he what does he press I, he's pressed 600 for a double or a triple I think I mean he's a 700 pound bench press from competition right but he also weighs twice as much as John yeah. Hack does but you think about that though John like, Hack's pressed what 606 in competition yeah I believe that I believe At that's 220 yeah I mean he's outstanding so but you think about that that's 100 pounds? He's a 900-pound deadlifter. Yeah. I mean, like, just, he's a, a very, very I – mean, I do think if you're going by dots alone, I do think he's the best in the world. Yeah. My view of powerlifting in total, and this is the rather right here, is I do think at the end of the day, totals speak louder than dots do. And I think if I gave the crown to the best powerlifter on the planet, it's Dan Bell. I knew you were going to say Dan it's Bell. Not, it's not John Hack. <laughs> John Hack doesn't total 2,500-plus pounds. It's true. Dan Bell does. And let me tell you something about Dan Bell. He's still relatively light to other super heavyweights. What does he weigh? He's probably 350, 360. Yeah. I mean, there's guys, you think about Julius Maddox, yeah, the best bench presser on the world, but he's probably 450. Mm -hmm. um, think about strongmen, you know, in the 400s. Yeah. Um, shit like that. Um, Dan Bell is, Dan Bell's the greatest in the world. Next behind him is Jesus Olivares, period. Two super heavyweights. I think if you ask somebody on the street, what is the sport of powerlifting? It's that body type and those men that they point to. That's mm -hmm. not John Hack. I mean, that's fair. Uh, and I do believe in the natural order of things, and this is a cheesy thing now, um, it's a cliche, but there is no Dots or Wilkes in the jungle. Mm -hmm. Period. I don't care how much you like a lion, an elephant's still the king of the jungle. <laughs> you know, it's still, there's no comparison. Right. Period. You know, I don't care. Right. <laughs> The gorilla, can, a gorilla can lift a hundred times its body weight. Big fucking deal. It's still a fucking elephant. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there. I honestly just don't think there's a comparison. I don't think it's the same world. I think it's awesome that he's as good as he is. I admire him so much. But I think as powerlifting exists as a sport, Dan Bell is the best, not John Hack. Are you Are you ready for mine? Yeah. John Hack is correctly rated. Correctly, I would, correctly I, I'm, I'm more happy about that than I say correctly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there's, uh, I mean, like I said, I think that if you're going by dots alone, you're probably going to be the greatest of all mm -hmm. time, period. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with basically everything that you said. Um, the only reason, like, I, I would, I, I think there is a little bit more value in dots than you're giving. Um I understand where you're coming from, uh, and I do think total is more impressive than dots is in the sense that it doesn't matter if you've got a guy and he weighs 100 pounds more than you if he lifts 
300 pounds more than you. Yeah. Like, it's more impressive to see that weight lifted yeah. than it is to see three times your weight lifted. I think that when you're, when you're talking about pressing the limits of the human ability, I think the total is just more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think John Hack is the GOAT. If you're talking, well, you know, I'll put it to you in this perspective, okay? There's probably not many anymore, but there's probably three or four women that have a better dot score than John Hack. It's true. Are they better than John Hack? From a dot standpoint, they are. From a dot standpoint. From a dot standpoint, they are. Yeah. But are you going to, you, would you say that they're the greatest of all time in powerlifting? And I'm not being sexist right now. I'm being, I'm being serious. This is yeah, the, this is the no, weight of dots. You know yeah. I mean? No, is, I mean, it, they it, get more credit for being female on the dots. Yeah. Story. I guess, I guess that's one of those things, right? Because, like, if a female out dots John Hack, are they better than John Hack? From a dot standpoint, they are. Like, you can't, yeah, you can't argue that. But that's not the what I'm asking. System. Are they a better powerlifter than John Hack? Are they Hack? a better powerlifter? In total, are they a better powerlifter than Well, John you Hack? just said total, so no. Well, not total pounds, but I'm talking <laughs> about as a whole, are they a better powerlifter than John Hack? It's hard to it's, say it's that. It's hard then, to say it? that yeah. because it's it's probably so, personal I, bias. How is it? In my, how is it? Uh, no, the only argument is how is it fair to compare John Hack to Dan Bell? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, you know what I mean. It's, like, it's kind of like if you're not willing to compare Mariana Gasparian to John Hack, then right. You know, it is. I mean, it is. I mean, that's, it's that's a slippery a point. I just that's think Dodds point. is a slippery slope. Yeah, it is what it is. Like, I'm cool with. Uh, you think about somebody. Larry Wills is a good example of this. So Larry Wills at one time hold all time world records at two twenty, two forty two, two seventy five, and three hundred eight. There, I think there should be conversation about maybe Larry Wills being the best of all time. I mean, that's a lot fair. of those don't stand I mean, yeah. anymore. But like, but he did it over multiple weight classes, right? Yeah, so that, huge totals yeah. across multiple weight classes. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, like that guy's somebody that did it across, you know, numerous. And I know that John Hack technically has now. He was an IPF drug free IPF athlete before mm-hmm. he. You know, before he turned what I would consider to be actually pro, because mm-hmm. um, I don't believe the IPF is pro. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. People suck my dick. I don't fucking care. <laughs> you ain't competing for money. It ain't fucking pro. Period. That's fair. All, it, all there is to it. Um, you know, I mean, I can point to a hundred examples like that. You know what I mean? I just think if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to give one of the ladies the credits because their dots is better than John Hack, then John Hack's dot store shouldn't make him better than Dan Bell. That's fair. That's a fair argument. And like I said, like I said, no dots in the jungle, baby. I mean, I don't know. I'm having. I, I can't really argue with it. Like, there's. If I mean, I guess when I I think he's correct. I, I do think he's the goat, and I do think he's correctly rated. I I don't think anybody can. I do think pound for pound matters at the end of the day. I do. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, but I, I think in terms of what the sport is, true powerlifting. I think I have to look at somebody like Jesus or Dan Bell. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's it at the end of the day, it's like comparing apples to oranges, right? It is, but I mean, you're talking about a, you're talking about a singular sport. It is a singular sport. You I guess I mean? like, when you're looking at the, I don't know. It's like compare. The problem is, it's like comparing like. The 85 Chicago Bears to the fucking 2012 Seahawks. Like, do you think the 85 Bears really could play with the modern-day Seahawks? No. No. 
Absolutely Science has gone so much further. Science has gone further. They're bigger bodies. They're fast. They're bigger, faster, stronger. Everything about them mm-hmm. is better than the 1985 Bears. Right? But you always have an old man that's like, well, 85 Bears is the best football mm-hmm. team ever. Fuck no, it ain't. <laughs> it's the same thing. I mean, the same thing. I made this point about Michael versus LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody has a warm, fuzzy feeling about Michael Jordan and LeBron somehow the enemy. But science alone says LeBron's a better basketball player right. than, than, uh, than, than Michael Jordan was. Like it's it's almost that big of a comparison to compare different body class to compare different weight classes to different mm-hmm. weight classes. It's like it's night and day. It's like yeah. I'm a Steelers fan. I love Terry Bradshaw. Those guys smoke cigarettes and drink beer at halftime. Like they're not they're <laughs> not Ben Roethlisberger and uh, you know James Harrison. Mm-hmm. They're not. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. they're they're not. Like sorry. Like I I like that too. Like. <laughs> that gives me the warm and fuzzies, but they're not the same fucking yeah. football team. You know, it is what it is. It's It really is, to me, almost that different. Like, yeah. But for me, when, you know, when I think about what powerlifting was to me when I started, when I didn't really know anything about it, it's men like Dan Bell and Jesus Oliveris that made me think, God damn, this sport's fucking awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I think the total matters more, but. That's Dan fair. Bell's correctly rated because, I mean, he's uh, – not Dan Bell, but John Hack is correct. Uh, he's correctly rated too. Yeah. John Hack's correctly rated because he is that fucking good. Yeah. I, I guess it, it boils down to – And he's done to, it at multiple weight classes. Yeah. He, he's really good at the sport, but he really doesn't – he's really never taken advantage of a really heavy body weight either. No, he hadn't. But, you know, be honest with you, do you not think that's somebody that's maxed out his frame is about as good as anybody can? I think he could if if he wanted to go any heavier. I think he could go to the two forty two class. He could absolutely. He has a tall and thin frame. I think he could. But he has a lot of muscle. He in does. No, like frame wise, he's built like he me. has a great physique. Like it's very similar in structure to the way I'm built. Yeah. He's just a lot leaner than me and hell of a lot stronger than me. So, I feel like if I feel comfortable walking around at this weight, he could too. So I do think he could make it to the 242 class. And if he was 242, who knows what he could do. I'll say this, though. and I think you know this. And maybe you haven't you haven't personally experienced this yet. There is a point of diminishing returns specifically on deadlift, which is yeah. John Hack's bread and, bread and butter. Uh, being heavier does not necessarily benefit your deadlift like it does squat and bench. Yeah. Your squat and bench will go up if you're heavier. Mm-hmm. Deadlift, it gets hard, especially if you're a conventional puller. It gets hard to get in, a, in position when you're fucking fat. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think he would. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be like, heavy two forty. It might be enough to affect leverages. Maybe. Me and Ron talked about that too. I mean, like, I feel like my deadlift leverages were better. I'm two seventy five now, less than. But like, I just competed at three hundred eight. I feel like my deadlift leverages are better when I'm a lighter person. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a better deadlifter when I'm two fifty to two seventy five than yeah. I am two seventy five to three hundred. So you're talking about just a single weight class jump. It makes a difference. Yeah. So. You know, I think you could be good at 242. I think you're probably right. But, like, I'm just saying it's hard to tell until, you know, he's 242 and he's grabbing a deadlift bar. Truthfully, I think that even if it didn't benefit his deadlift, it would benefit his squat. It would benefit his squat, which is probably his weakest lift. And if his squat bumped up 200 pounds. It's only a 100-pound difference between his squat and his bench press, right? Yeah. Yeah, so somewhere, somewhere around do there. Do you think? Do you think he hasn't squat swapped to low bar because? Because let me tell you something. Seeing him, he's got an ugly squat. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good squat because it's strong, but it ain't pretty. Do yeah. you not know, think? Do you think he just doesn't swap to low bar out of stubbornness, 
Or do you think it just doesn't feel good to him? It's got to be. Because like when you watch him squat, he's like, God damn, that guy needs to be squatting low bar. It's got to like be a like comfort thing, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? To watch like, him squat high bar. Like it's got to be that it just feels uncomfortable shifting to low bar. Like that's the only thing that makes sense because why would I feel like he's, he's somebody that very obviously his leverages look better for low bar. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I think he's got – he's a really good squatter. He's an excellent squatter. He's mm -hmm. the one, he's, obviously, we're talking about him. He's the best power lifter by weight in the world. Dude's got kind of an ugly squat. Yeah. And I think it's because of the high bar thing, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's <clears> fair, <throat> too. I, I, His leverage is similar to mine. I put 100 pounds on my squat shift in the low bar. So Yeah, I mean, but you, do what you're, you, you do what you're strongest at. Yeah. Maybe he's just simply stronger at high bar. It could be. Um. Still ain't like super pretty, but man, his deadlifts and bench is yep. outrageous. That's what carries deadlift him. wins though, so that's what wins championships. Mm -hmm. Period. So it is what it is. All What's right. next? After John Hack, we've got Lane Norton. Uh, me and you were actually surprised. You actually listened to more of him on it than me and you were split on this. I think that he's underrated. Yeah, um, underrated because the masses are fucking stupid, <laughs> and there's plenty of people that have just so much dogmatic bias about fitness and diet in particular, they're just unwilling to listen to the man. Mm -hmm. um, if we had some type of great awakening and people just realize what he's talking about is scientifically proved to be true. Like he doesn't give you any bullshit. And if he does, he rectifies it and tells you, Hey, I might've been wrong about this. Mm -hmm. He'll come out and say, Hey, this new science suggests that maybe I was full of shit. Yep. He has done that before. This guy, too. Yeah, he has done it. He's got a track record of correcting himself. Mm -hmm. This guy is 100% science-backed, 100% correct about nearly everything he fucking says. And if he doesn't, he's willing to go back and correct mm -hmm. himself. There is not that degree of honesty anywhere in fitness. No. Anywhere in fitness. So I think he's underrated for that reason. But I think he's underrated because people are just so fucking dogmatic about shit that it just doesn't matter. We talked about keto earlier. That's a hot topic on Dr. Lane Norton's pages. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Veganism is a hot topic on stuff like that. Those diets work because they put you in a calorie deficit because you exclude an entire macronutrient group. Yep. They don't work because carbs are bad mm -hmm. or because protein is bad. Mm -hmm. They work because you have put yourself in a calorie deficit because you have naturally, by choosing not to eat those things, you have naturally put yourself in a calorie deficit because mm -hmm. you've ex excluded an entire macronutrient group. That's the reason why those things work. Can you overeat on a vegan diet? Yeah. Can you overeat on a keto diet? Yes, probably a little bit easier to overeat on a keto diet, mm -hmm. but it's at the end of the day, it's calories in, calories out. But if you read his comments, either direction, people were like, fuck no, this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Veganism is the best thing that ever happened to me, or keto is the best thing that ever happened to me, or this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And the only thing he says is, I'm not saying it didn't work. I'm not saying it ain't good for you. I'm just saying it only worked because calories in, calories out is how yeah. it worked. And people are just so dogmatic, they just don't want to hear it. Yeah. And uh, that sucks for him because he's put in a lot of honest work and a lot of uh, – he has a lot of – he gives good feedback. Uh, he responded to you about something the other day. Mm -hmm. um, he's very uh, engaged with his followers, whether they believe in what he's saying or not. Uh, he's a very, very honest man. He does what he can, good things for fitness all the time. I think he's underrated. That's I think fair. he is. I just think people – can't see the forest for the trees, and they just won't wisen up to what science actually fucking says. Yeah, and that that's really fair. I would say he is 
correctly rated leaning towards underrated primarily because um everything that you just said he's super honest uh he is extremely smart and he goes by the science he always does his best and he explains things really well one of the things that he does in his videos and i find it entertaining but a lot of people are off put by is how aggressive he is and how he can be like people could see him as being absolutely an asshole because like he will straight up say this guy's a fucking idiot like he will straight up say that he's like watch this video ah this guy's a fucking idiot and here's why like he gives good information he explains it well yeah but he also does have a an air about him that is could be taken as extremely mean and people are off put by that. Yeah, I think that people are probably off put by it, but also people have a problem. It's like it's like click clickbait news articles, right? Mm -hmm. Like half people that get their political information or their the current article. events uh, information never make it past the headline. Yeah. Well if you hear if you hear Dr. Norton say this carnivore zealot is a fucking idiot right away and you've been doing the carnivore diet and you don't listen beyond this guy's a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. At that point, it's your own goddamn fault. Yeah. If you don't hear out what the guy says, most of the time in Lane's videos, and I think you would corroborate this, most of the time in his videos, he says, look, there's validation in this part of what this man is saying. Mm -hmm. The problem is that it's not the full story, and here's why. Mm -hmm. like, he's really good about that. Yeah, he, has he said, will give credit that. where credit is due. He has done that multiple times in his videos. Um, he'll say, like, look, this isn't all bullshit, mm -hmm. but this is why the rest of it is. Mm -hmm. Like, most of the time, some type of zealot like that isn't, they're onto something, but they're not necessarily telling the whole truth. Mm -hmm. He's made the point about the carnivore diet before. Likely the reason why people lose weight is because they're moving from processed foods to whole organic foods. Yep. Same thing with veganism if they do it correctly. Mm -hmm. If they're omitting heavily processed, like soy-based product. Mm -hmm. If you're going like raw veganism or something like that. Right? Most of the time, the reason why people get better is because they have moved from highly palatable, highly caloric processed foods to real food that is probably less palatable, mm -hmm. um, but also because of those things, less caloric. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why people are seeing these health benefits, right? Yeah. He's really good about pointing that stuff mm -hmm. out. He'll give credit where credit is due. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but people don't listen past, this guy's an asshole. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think, I don't necessarily think that's Dr. Lane's fault. No, I mean that. I mean, I, I, I would, I would agree with you on that. But I'm just saying, from a that's something he could adjust for better viewership. Maybe so. Sometimes I wonder about that. Like it may not. It will get people more engaged because it will get people riled up. Because like you said, people have been. Someone says this. Lane Norton comes out with a video. This guy is uh, doing keto and he's fucking wrong. Well, all the keto people are going to get on there and they're going to comment ah the keto is great it's the best thing in the world and not not care to listen to the rest of the video but he's yeah. still got engagement i think i think he would be quick, quick to tell you keto works if you're eating whole meats and whole vegetables mm -hmm. i think the problem with the keto crowd now is they want to eat processed meats and deli meat and fucking cheese mm -hmm. and dip it all in ranch dressing and say that they're keto and mm -hmm. i think that's the problem that he has with it yeah I think if they were doing keto to the point that it was more reminiscent of like the paleo diet, which I think is closer to what it's supposed to be like, mm -hmm. more vegetable oriented than fruit because it's keto, because yeah. it's low carb, I think that he'd probably be more on board with it. Mm -hmm. But these fucking idiots are like, I'm just going to have my low carb wrap because the fiber in it negates the carbs in it. That's not how that fucking works. You're not really even keto at that point. 
great. It has 17 grams of fiber. It's still got 24 grams of carbs. Mm-hmm. You can't call that seven carbs just because the net carbs are seven carbs. Right. It's still 24 grams of carbs. Yep. But sorry. I think that's the kind of shit that he probably gets sick of. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. everybody should be on a whole foods diet. Lane talks about it. He also talks about that some processed food's not as bad as it sounds. Yeah. Like, he talks about, I'm drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper. Aspartame, Dr. Lane Norton talks about this often. You would have to bathe in a swimming pool of aspartame daily for it to be cancer-causing. Mm-hmm. Has it caused cancer in, in studies? Yes. But the amount of it was so fucking extreme, mm-hmm. you couldn't drink enough. You would, <laughs> you would die of overhydration <laughs> before... <laughs> Before you would uh, see any cancerous effects from aspartame. But every, you have these aspartame zealots that are like, it's just, your body presses it just like sugar, mm. or it's cancer causing, or this, or that, and the other. No, the fuck it's not. Like, so he's really fair in every direction. Mm. But I think he'd be the first to tell you that a lot of these things, especially if it promotes whole foods, it's fine. It's just no reason for the zeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? There's no reason for, like, I've heard him say before, if he were going to do one of the extreme diets, he'd probably be vegan before he's carnivore because your micronutrient base is probably broader. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't agree. He don't agree with vegan diet. Mm-hmm. I don't either. But like the reasons he points out for that, perfectly fucking honest, perfectly fucking fine. I don't disagree with it. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I just think that he's he's so, first of all, I do think that you're probably right and that he's he's a little aggressive. But I think that he's so honest and comes from such a good place because he really wants to do do, do wealth by people. That uh, and there's so much of the opposite in fitness. There's so much just dogma in fitness mm-hmm. that I think that he just finds a he does find a way to rub everybody the wrong way somehow. Except for the people that like him. Except for the people that like yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, calories in, calories out. It's all that matter. Did you hit your protein goal? If you hit your protein goal. You're retaining muscle or building muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Did you hit a complete macro macronutrient profile and a complete micronutrient pro- profile BCAA specifically because it helps protein synthesis? If you hit those things, didn't matter if your protein came from beans or came from steak. That's what it is. He has a very practical approach to it. And I just think that uh, you know if people wasn't so clickbaity and didn't just pay attention to the first mm-hmm. fifteen seconds of something. I think they might lean my way and say that he's over, you know, underrated. Probably mm-hmm. so. And you and you might be right on that. But, also, <laughs> you know, he's primarily known for his uh, being. He has a PhD in uh, uh, nutrition, I believe. Maybe is it sports nutrition or is it just nutrition in general? Uh, I, I thought it was uh, actually a little bit more complicated than that. Was it some type of special bio? Like I thought it was like organic chemistry or some type of biology. To be honest with you. Which maybe. is a little bit more finite than I thought. It I may thought be it, a it may be a nutrition. I don't know, but I mean, he is. You know, he is a he has a doctorate. Yeah. in the field of fitness, right. basically, and somewhere yeah. in nutrition, fitness, somewhere. Yeah. and that's primarily what he's known for. But he's also a powerlifter and competes, and a, and and has competed and won in natural bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he bodybuilt. Yeah, absolutely. But he's I believe competed, it. he has yeah. competed and won in natural natural bodybuilding shows. So he's. You know, a best of both worlds guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he consults and does diets for some major CrossFitters. So he has a very, very wide view of, very, very wide lens of, of fitness in general mm-hmm. and can get people, including himself, dialed into a really, really, really strong degree. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he has a very, very, 
not just scientific approach, but a very practical approach to things. He's a very smart man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a superhero. That's one of my favorite people in fitness. That's fair. I don't have, I don't have anything bad. I've never heard anything that made me say, I really try to keep an open mind about this stuff, but I've never heard him say anything that made me think that guy was an asshole. Yeah. I do kind of, and I am aware that he pokes fun at people. He does. But, and maybe that rubs people the wrong way, but some people, I'm sure it does. It's the fucking internet. Get over it. Why? Dude, like, I mean, you can, if, if you, if you are looking to be offended on the internet, you'll fucking find it. <laughs> yeah. I think people do. And I think that's just what they want. But yeah. I mean, he's, the, the fact is, he, he only, he doesn't even, half the time he doesn't even give opinions about things. He only gives facts about things. Mm-hmm. Based on scientific research that he has read or And has, hell, the man will tell you, hey, this is scientific fact, but th- these things have worked for me in the before. He will mm-hmm. admit that different things than what he even teaches has mm-hmm. worked for him in the past. Shit, there's more than one way to skin a cat. He's aware of that. But he's trying to lay out facts and dispel and get rid of false information and dogma. Yeah, and that's one of the things I like most about Lane Martin yeah. is that he is very quick to fitness superhero. Yeah, just point out like, uh, man, you've been listening to this guy. You probably shouldn't because he's an idiot. This yeah. is why. I think that um, the same reason why I talk, like him is one of the reasons why people. Lane's don't really, like really. Him. I think Lane's really, really good at uh, really, really good at this. But I've heard, I've said it on this podcast before. There are no absolutes in fitness. Anytime you hear somebody, Liver King was a good example mm-hmm. of this. Um, Dr. Sean Baker, who I actually kind of admire to some degree, who's a carnivore specialist, is like this. Um, you hear a lot of keto fanatics that are like this. Um, anytime you have, anytime somebody's talking in, about fitness or nutrition and absolutes, you should be instantly. CrossFit's plagued by it. We mm-hmm. were talking about that earlier, like shitting on bodybuilding and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, anytime anybody talks in absolutes and fitness, it's a very fucking dangerous thing. Yeah. And it's probably not correct. Yeah. At least it's not correct all the time. Yeah. So stay away from that. I mean, even, even I, I know even I as a coach talking absolutes and that's the wrong thing to do. There are no absolutes in fitness. Yeah. The only absolute in fitness is calories in calories out. That's it. Yeah. So I think that's fair. Uh, well, I guess protein matters, right? So protein Protein matters. Be... But, I mean, you can get into some more finite stuff, finite stuff on the nutrition end of it. But I really do think that for the most part, when you hear people talk about absolutes, it's probably a problem. Yeah. It, think about the way people teach a squat. Like my squat and your squat will never look the same. Mm-mm. There's a handful of things that all of us should be doing. Talk about like the tripod foot, uh, neutral spine, stuff like that. But in terms of like angle of your spine, like as it relates to your hips, everybody's different. Knees over toes. Knees over toes versus a vertical shin. Everybody's different. Uh, high bar, low bar. High bar, low bar. Stance width. Same thing in almost everything in fitness. When you talk, when you hear somebody talking absolutes, they're not necessarily wrong, but it should be a major red flag for you. And I think Lane's really good at not talking in absolutes. And this, this is and dispelling those things. Very much a. A little, little left turn here, but I don't know if you saw Mr. Death Grip Derek posted, there's only one way you should squat. He said, if you're not doing these three things, you're wrong. One of them was knees over toes. I mean, I don't, coming from a juggernaut background, I don't necessarily disagree with Derek. I would say a very, very strong case against him is a man named Matt Winning, who has coached 
Derek's one of my favorite power lifters. I've been open and honest about that. Matt Winning has coached more champions and been a, more, been a champion much more than Derek has. Yeah. Um, Derek's stronger. I realize that. I just don't think there's absolutes in it, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I really, really don't. I mean, I think that, you know, if you say that, you're not taking into account people's in, injury history. Um, you know, I've, I've had people in the gym, a more vertical shin's better for them because they've had, I, I had a guy one time in, in Scott Browning that had, he's had over 40 knee surgeries between two knee, knees. Mm-hmm. I hate to tell you, he's not squatting perfectly knees over, knees, knees over toes. Mm-hmm. It's not good for him. Sorry. It's just, it's very individual, man. Yeah. Um, I would like to think in a perfectly healthy individual that knees over toes is correct. Rarely ever is that actually the fucking right. case. Sorry. That's fair. <laughs> we'll get one more and then we'll, uh, I think we'll wrap it up because we're running a little long. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. There's just been some tangents we went on. We have. Um, but This is the last one anyway, isn't it? No, we had like four more, but oh my bad. We'll 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 just do <laughs> just do this last one. I think it'll be pretty quick. Doctor Mike Isratelli. Doctor Mike Isratelli. Um, he is uh, he is underrated. He is He's super underrated. He is becoming more polarizing, especially to the bodybuilding community, because that is not a community that traditionally across the board supports a full range of motion. Mm-hmm. But science supports a lot like Dr. Lane Norton. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mike is very, very good at removing his own views of things and saying scientifically, scientifically this we know that a fuller range of motion is better than a partial range of motion. Mm-hmm. Boy, that is a fucking polarizing thing in bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. I will say this from a practical standpoint, and we've talked about this before in, in the past, the work you do is better than the work you don't. So if you do... A set of, a max effort set of ten on bicep curls, um, at a full range of motion, and then are able to do five more at a partial range of motion. That is probably that probably does have more hypertrophic value. Actually, I know it has more hypertrophic value than just the set of ten at a mm-hmm. at maximum effort. So we know that partials can be beneficial. Take, for instance, the opposite, though. If you're going to do 15 bicep curls at the same weight, and like I said, for 15 reps mm-hmm. at a partial range of motion, that does not have as much hypertrophic value as 10 full range and five partials. Mm-hmm. Period. It doesn't. Um, I don't know why people get up in arms about it. And let me tell you, that guy's bigger than most people that are going to bitch about this. Yeah. This guy's five foot seven and 240 pounds absolutely. and absolutely fucking yoked. He's... Pretty lean. I hate to say, too, like, un- unless unless your name's Chris Bumstead, he's better than you. Not just smarter, <laughs> but, but probably a better bodybuilder. Jared Feather's um, pretty big, but I mean that's that's still the same the same 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 group, but. yeah same uh, same school of thought stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, Jared's an amazing bodybuilder. Yeah. I don't know how he's not better bigger than he is um, in terms of the power. You know, power, in terms of the bodybuilding world, I don't yeah. know why he's not a bigger name because he's. His waist, the, his waist to back ratio is fucking insane. He has a huge back, huge back, and he—I swear to God—he's got a twenty-eight inch waist. Yeah, and probably has a fifty-inch chest. I don't know how <laughs> he fucking does. Uh, I mean, he's huge. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Doctor Mike's way underrated. Yeah. Probably. I mean, that knowledge. I think because of RP's presence in RP has a huge presence in 
dieting across the board for bodybuilders, for powerlifters. Uh, CrossFitters use the RP app. I think because of RP's presence, more and more people are going to buy into what Mike, Dr. Mike says. Mm -hmm. Especially new lifters, are more and more are going to... I think the people that are against Dr. Mike will drop by the wayside eventually. Yeah. I think they're going away. Yeah. I think that's an old school thought. I think it's I think it's dying. Um, so I think I do think he's underrated. I think he could get to the point that he's rated correctly. Yeah. For <laughs> I don't sure. think he's ever gonna be I don't think that's a man that's ever gonna be overrated because I do wholeheartedly believe in everything that man says. Yeah. I think he's incredibly smart and his personality is really just like easy to enjoy. And, he, like, and, he just, and he's not Dr. Lane, he's not super abrasive about it. No, this. he is really honestly super nice about everything that he says and boy uh, one of my favorite things about dr mike is his absolutely super plot way but his absolutely total complete and utter scientific knowledge-based destruction of joel seedman is the best <laughs> thing i've ever heard before in my life yeah just absolute just obliteration of joel seedman is the best thing dr mike has ever done yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i mean i think that's i may i think that him, Chad Wesley Smith, Matt Winning, um, Dr. Lane Norton, Josh Bryant, probably the five most brilliant minds in, in uh, the fitness in, industry. In fitness. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And and probably close behind them, maybe Joe, Joe Sullivan. Yeah. You're a little bit more fond of him than I am. I like Joe Sullivan a lot too, especially as it pertains to powerlifting. But fitness as a whole, I think those five guys are the, the greatest of all time. Yeah. That's fair. In terms of what they contribute to the industry and everything like that. Yeah. Matt Winning in particular does more for awareness and the scientific side uh, and contributes more to the community than almost anybody does. Yeah, because he also helps train, I think, firefighters. Firefighters, uh, any type of paramilitary, um, special forces groups. Mm -hmm. um, he is largely responsible for the, the entire armed forces rethinking on the PT standard. Uh, he has a very, very large hand in moving people to the ACFT in the Army, which is the trap bar deadlift, the bag throw, or the ball throw, whatever it is, the dummy drag, the ammo can carry, all those things that are more um, strength-based mm -hmm. versus how many sit-ups can you do in two minutes, how many push-ups can you do in two minutes, how fast can you run two miles. Yeah. Um, he'll tell you that a, a, a better soldier is um, – uh, the better, stronger is the stronger shoulder. The more he's more durable. Yeah, a more durable shoulder is stronger shoulder, and durability is more important. Your lack of, you know, your ability to go do your job without being injured is incredibly high mm -hmm. valued compared to somebody that isn't. And I think that you know, I just think he's done so much for the community. All those guys have. Um, so I mean, I mean that's where I stand on all of them. It is what it is. Um, but Doctor Mike, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Probably do one more. Yeah, we 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 can fit one more in. And uh, I think I want to do the WSM one to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Since he's uh, he's the next one, so uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Hooper. Mitchell Hooper went in world's strongest man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's a great athlete. I think he's awesome. Um, that being said, I think it's overrated that he won it. One, because he's not American, and I believe the World's Strongest Man title belongs to America, period. Um, I believe that I, I get very – and I'm a big Eddie Hall fan, but I get – it hurts my pride when an American doesn't take home that title. Mm -hmm. Also hurts my pride – talking about that, 
Martins didn't compete this year, but fuck Martins lost us for comp- com- for claiming another country when he was born and raised here. <laughs> Don't fucking like that at all. That fucking sucks. But, uh, yeah, so I'm a little upset that it went to a Canadian. Uh, not saying that he didn't deserve it. He did. I think the heart of the matter and really what's overrated and underrated is uh, – not so much him. I don't have any a personal vendetta against Mitchell Hooper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it sucks, and I realize that early on in Strongman it favored a lighter, more nimble athlete. But I think it sucks for the title of World Strongest Man to go to a lighter, more agile athlete and not to the absolute strongest. Mm-hmm. Because it's not the world's most agile, tactically strong man. It's the world's strongest man. Right. Uh, and I think it's a shame that body tops like Big Z, Brian Shaw, Eddie Hall, Thor, stuff like that are no longer dominating strongmen. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, I think that's the golden age of strongmen mm-hmm. um, is the bigger body top. And, two, I think when you say world's strongest, it should be world's strongest, not world's quickest, mm-hmm. not world's best at manipulating their body weight or an apparatus. It is the world's strongest. Right. So – I think that I think it's over. I think he's overrated, not because of uh, anything else, not because of his lack of work or anything like that. I know he works hard. I know he's a strong man. Um, I think it's overrated just because I think that I don't know that we can sit here and seriously say world's strongest man. Right. I think that's fuck. I think at this point it's fucking cheesy. I think I think I'd agree with you because like like you said, <clears throat> when you when you think about world's strongest man, I I always think of. Eddie Hall deadlifting 1100 yeah, or 11, some, yeah, yeah. 1100 pounds, 1101 whatever it was, but 500 kilos, yeah, right? Uh, like that's didn't happen to world strongest man, but yeah, but, but, but that's still. what, that's what everyone thinks of. When yeah. you think of world strongest man, you think of Eddie Hall picking up. I think of Eddie kilos. Hall squatting 750, 16 times in a minute. Right. Something like that. An yeah. impressive feat of strength. I uh, think of like Brian Shaw's 562 pound Atlas stone at the Arnold. Right. Like, that's fucking unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, Thor's, you know, whatever, hundred. I don't know if it's 120, 120-pound bag throw over, like, 40 feet at or yeah. Classic. Like, that's the shit that I think of. I don't think about who ran with the Husafelt Stone the, the fastest. Yeah. I think that fucking sucks. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. I think it's, um, it's a little overrated. I, I, it's, it's a shame to me that we're seeing the death of truly what would be the world's strongest man uh, fall to the world's strongest dots. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that sucks because I don't think that's what that sport is. And I realized, listen, in the seventies and eighties, when, you know, these guys were lighter weight, you know, they were upper two hundreds, low three hundreds, and they were quicker and more agile. That's just where it's like any other sport. That's just where the sport was at the time. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as an offensive lineman. We talked I related to football because it's easy for people. An offensive lineman in the seventies weighed two hundred sixty pounds. An offensive lineman now weighs three hundred to three thirty. I hate to tell you, but the two hundred sixty pound offensive lineman is not as good, not as strong, not as capable of his job or anything like that. It's the same thing as strongman. We have, I think the sport, well, the problem, my problem with this is the sport has regressed because people want to be inclusive. Fucking, well, not necessarily inclusive, but they want to talk about what used to be mm. and they want to feel for a feeling of nostalgia. They have abandoned the evolution of the sport, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
I, I guess when I say inclusive, I'm thinking like more body types, more weight classes. Yeah, like, I mean, because when you think about World's Strongest Man, typically it was confined to one body type. You know, yeah, it was the Eddie yeah. Halls, Thor's, Brian Shaw. Well, that's to me, that's like I know other people don't have this view. They think of the 80s and early 90s as being the golden age of strongman, where it was a more athletic body type. But like, I, I think of Big Z and Brian Shaw first. Mm-hmm. And they were not the body type that's winning now. No. Um, and I think the, like I said, I think the evolution of the sport has been abandoned for the sake of nostalgia. Mm. If I wanted to see a lightweight guy do something quickly, and it is actually a good sport to watch, it's a good spectator sport, I'd watch the CrossFit games. Yeah. It's a fine spectator sport. It's, it's fun to watch. These guys are talented. They're extremely athletic. They're extremely gifted. That's not what Strongman is supposed to be in my mind. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, CrossFit for the super heavyweight class. <laughs> I don't want to feel that. Feel. I don't. Yeah. Wanna, I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to watch that. I don't know. I'm. A, I feel a little alienated by that sport currently. That's fair. Um, I'd be interested to know what Kevin's thoughts are. I would too. Yeah, because I mean, he's he's an up up and comer in it. Mm-hmm. Um, very very talented kid. Um, but he's also in in he's three he was in well, the 300s, yeah, he, yeah, so absolutely. he he's got the body type of a strong man. Yeah, he does. Um, beginner body type probably, but he also has the body type of what's winning right now. Yeah. I just think that the guy that presses them like Iron BB pressed what was it? He broke. Uh, I think he broke uh, Robert Ober's overhead press record on the on a on the Austrian oak the log or whatever. It was like a four hundred eighty four pound four hundred eighty something pound. Overhead press, log mm-hmm. press. Yeah. That's world's strongest man to me. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? I mean like, that's, that's Eddie Hall's 1,100-pound deadlift. Brian Shaw's 562-pound Atlas Stone. That's world's strongest man. Right. Like I said, not who ran the fastest with the Husafel Stone. Right. More about impressive feats of strength, not... Yeah, imp- being world's strongest man, not about being the quickest guy with yeah. the Husafel Stone. <laughs> not, not impressive feats of quickness. Yeah, that's not... But that's just not what it's about no. to me. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, my problem, <laughs> my problem is with it. <clears throat> the powers that be, whoever designs these events, has sacrificed the evolution of the sport for nostalgia. Yeah. And that sucks. I mean, I like Martinez is a good example. If you watch his videos and stuff, I, f- I follow him. If you watch his videos and stuff and follow his training logs, he's not even close to. Brian Shaw or Eddie Hall or Thor or anybody like that doesn't doesn't compete can't compete with them deadlift can't compete them with them in throws doesn't have their shoulder strength and that guy's won it before hmm. he was like the first like when it started trending downward toward athletic body types he was the first guy to win it it's like this just isn't it man right. <laughs> it just it just it's, ain't it it's no just more. not it's not the same sport it ain't and I think that's I think that's what sucks and I know there's probably some strongman fans that would probably vehemently disagree with me and that's fine but uh i i like i said i think that they've sacrificed evolution of the sport from nostalgia yeah i i'd agree that sounds about right to me just is what it is and you know it's you got to prepare for the you know the unknown in that sport because you know you don't really know what events you're going to do until you know several weeks out Mm -hmm. at best and i understand that but like to have events that favor a smaller athlete just to like i said in my mind it's just not world's strongest man anymore yeah in rant. In rant. Yep. Both agreed, overrated. Yep. Strong man, world's strongest man. Get your shit together. So, Fix uh, your events. How does an alchemist uh, please his wife? How? Elixir. 
I wish I had one off the cuff, but I don't. Um, damn. Always got to pull up old dad joke. Dad says jokes if I can get my phone to work. Oh, man. Let's see here. Dad, what's the joke of the day? Uh, I told a joke on a Zoom meeting and no one laughed. It turns out I'm not remotely funny. Good one. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, you know why God created Adam before Eve? Why? He didn't want any advice on how to do it. <laughs> that was solid. <laughs> I'm going to be stabbed in my sleep tonight. You might just put some fucking Clorox and a combination of Clorox and ammonia in your CPAP. And just once you fade. I better, better not slowly. worry. <laughs> it is what it is. All right, guys, that's it for now. We ran a little long. But there's a lot of rants in this one, so we're sorry. That's right, but it's okay. Well, you have you, to be okay. You ain't got you, choice. Yeah, you already listened to it. <laughs> if you made it now. this far, <laughs> uh, don't forget to us five stars on Spotify. Subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, we're on TikTok. Mostly just posting uh, clips. Clips when I am not lazy and actually do it. Um, follow us there if you want. Maybe one day we'll actually do some random TikTok shit. We should find some like. Yeah, we're never doing screwball and vanilla protein again. <laughs> that much. We should. We, we should find I'm out some on that random TikTok shit. <laughs> no, we should find some like uh, TikTok challenges that are total bullshit and do them. <laughs> That'd be funny. As long as they don't involve screwball and protein powder, we can do whatever you what, want to, buddy. Let's let's do let's like find the trendy like girl dances, and we'll uh, tie up our shirts. We're working on our girl some... dad status. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, we just do a tutorial on how to paint your toenails, <laughs> which I have no clue how to do. By the way, uh, it might me, be funny. <laughs> me either. <laughs> I'd probably just give up and just dip my whole toe in paint. <laughs> I just I just you know just. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, as powerlifters, I'm not even sure I can bend down to do that. We might have to paint each other's toenails. <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh, I that, that's enough. We're I have done. a thing about feet. Yeah, we're, we're out on that one. Bye, y'all. <laughs>